0: You are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And today I am flying solo. I was going to make a joke about how Simone was too depressed after the devastating Saints loss to join us today, but she's actually, in fact, out doing some important work on Louisiana's coast. So we'll forgive her for missing today, although I know we all are somewhat depressed after Sunday's disappointing game. Um, so trying to focus on the positive, and we've got some great guests for you all lined up today. We're talking about one of my favorite places in Southeast Louisiana, St. Bernard Parish, and we have two guests on that will talk to us about some exciting work that's going on in the parish. First up is Blaze Pizzold, Coastal and Environmental Program Manager at the Marrow Foundation. We've had Blaze on in the past, and we're excited to have him back on to talk about exciting work that's Underway at the marrow foundation on a number of fronts. So welcome back to Delta Dispatches, please.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So happy 2021, if we can say that. We know it's been a, it's a little bit of a continuation of 2020 in many ways. But how is your year going? How's your daughter doing? She was a former guest on the show as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, she was. Uh, I think she enjoyed her radio debut. Um, she's doing all right. She. Uh, She's doing well in school. She's in virtual, and uh, she's also been uh, swimming for the the varsity team for for Lusher. Um, but she's she's still in eighth grade, so it's kind of cool that she got to jump up into there. But um, she's doing all right.
0: That's awesome. Well, yeah, giving the high school students a run for their money, and. If Simone keeps, uh, you know, missing some of these shows, we might have to recruit her to be our co-host for a for time being, or at least fill in for Simone. She'd love that. Uh <laughs> Well, yeah, future in radio for sure. So tell us, Blaze, um, you know, of course, we are all familiar with the Merrow Foundation and, and, you know, the work that we've partnered with you all on. And you touch so many different aspects of, of life and, and the environment in St. Bernard Parish. But tell people about the Merrill Foundation and the work you do there.
1: Well, we're um, a 501c3 nonprofit and we're set up in St. Bernard Parish to benefit um, St. Bernard Parish. And our main facility is at uh, Dockville Farm. And so we have this, you know, state of the art facility that we work out of and we try to basically embolden the community to get good things done um, through through our site at Dockville Farm or through land strategies, uh, because we own a lot of property in St. Bernard.
0: Yeah, and may be familiar with the property if they've ever driven down St. Bernard Highway under the Tunnel of Trees. You know, Dockville is right next to that, and it's just a beautiful piece of property, and I've had the pleasure of being out there for some events. Um, And so it's definitely a great place to, to visit. I know this year, you know, and last year certainly has been different for you all, as it has for many people, really you know, uh, making it hard to do the in-person events and and kind of work that you've done in the past. So how have you been able to kind of uh, remain engaged and active despite sort of the challenges brought by COVID?
1: Well, um, you know, I think Katrina taught everybody that you have to pivot uh, when things don't go right. And so we just kind of pivoted a lot of our programs. um, And and. A lot of them have went virtual if they can, or they've been postponed until you know future dates when we can have more than ten people.
0: Yeah, and I know um, Ag Magic on the River is a big event for you all, and you all you went virtual with that event, correct?
1: Yeah, we did. We it was kind of thrown together right in the beginning of uh, COVID, and this year I think we're we're going to put a lot more effort into it in time, and um, I think it'll be a much better virtual event. And, you know, you get better the more you do things.
0: Yeah, we're we're all learning and, and kind of growing. I think in this way, so um, certainly great to hear. A lot of that programming is ongoing, and so you all are a five hundred one c three or uh, kind of foundation foundation working in Saint Bernard Parish, but you also work closely with the Saint Bernard Parish government. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you uh, intersect with the different sectors in Saint Bernard.
1: Well. I, um... You know, we, our team at, at Dockville, um, works really well with McGinnis's team. And, um, so whether it's Jason Stopa or John Lane, or, you know, that, that's the, um, uh, what is it, Jason does urban planning, John does coastal programs, uh, worked a lot with Jerry Graves, with John as well. And, um, they have a good working relationship. Um, I think the latest thing that I've been working on with those guys as far as coastal is, uh, a program through uh, Ducks Unlimited. Um, we applied for an AWCA grant and received word that we got funded for that. So that's going to be a terracing project behind, um, basically directly behind the Super Walmart and Shell Met.
0: That's great. And um, you said that's a partnership that's with Ducks Unlimited that's um, moving forward. So congratulations on that. Thanks. Um, I know, you know, Blaze, you uh, yourself, but then with the Mara Foundation, have done a lot of work on Quipra and kind of putting forth a number of different coastal projects through Quipra. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the work that you've done on Quipra and, and some of the projects that you've been involved with? Sure.
1: Um, before I got here, I, I put together a proposal with a lot of folks from USDA um, for the Bayou La Lutra Ridge restoration and marsh creation and that's um i think they're done designing that hopefully next year we'll get funded uh, for construction on it um, and then every year i put in um, at least two proposals for large uh, dredge projects in the parish um, or or east Plaqueman. and and then every year um, at minimum i put in uh, one vegetation project in the quipper la 39 program and that's a much easier program to get funding through. And so I, I have a really, every year, I get at least one of those through the, the LA39 projects.
0: Well, it's certainly exciting and, and great to see in, in a lot of progress on coastal projects in St. Bernard Parish. Um, so, you know, kudos and thanks to you for that. Um, I know you all do a lot of work on education and, and integrating uh, education into coastal work, coastal issues through volunteer events and more, um, and then education of, of folks at Chalmette High School, as well as Nunes Community College. So tell us a little bit about how you all work with, you know, the high school, the community college in St. Bernard to engage them on coastal issues. We have
1: three different things that we work on. Right now, we're actually in our uh, virtual Mississippi River Delta Institute, it's where we teach uh, teachers about the coast, about the river, its connectivity to other parts of the United States, and then also um, try to get them to teach outside of the classroom and give them examples of ways they can do that. Um, so that, that's how we work with um, K through 12 teachers. And then uh, as far as the high school, um, with the parish, I have a, a program with uh, Lucas Bissett and some other folks, uh, like the sheriff's office. Uh, we. We collect uh, seeds for black mangroves, we grow them out, and then we have the students from 4-H plant them out in the marsh. And then the third project I have is uh, one through the Career Technical Education Program at, at Chumet High, um, which involves Nunez Community College and welding. And we've, we've come up with a kind of modular um, oyster reef breakwater um, that uses a couple different materials that people don't normally use. And we're tr- still trying to get that off the ground. We have our permit in hand. We just haven't been able to build enough of that, the units at um, Nunez currently from um, before. They didn't have enough people in the class. And then now we have to deal with COVID. <laughs> so uh, it'll, it'll happen eventually, but we're, we're excited to work with them. And they're really good partners all around.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's that's awesome to hear. And, and of course, you know, we're all kind of navigating challenges with, with COVID, but in, in general, you know, the progress that's being made and the work y'all are doing um, on education, on involving these students, like you said, whether they're kind of K through 12, high school, even like kind of community and technical college in the work and opportunities of the coast is great. And I know in the past, um, you know, we've had uh, Lucas Bassett on to talk about the mangrove planting work that he's done with with the students, as well as, you know, through the cook off for the coast, um, you know, in the the that event, specifically um, funding some of the volunteer uh, and, and education opportunities has been great. So um, it's good to see that still progressing. Speaking of volunteering, um, Coalition Restore Coast of Louisiana has been working on expanding its oyster shell recycling program. Marrow um, Foundation has made it possible for the program to expand into St. Bernard Parish, which is exciting. So tell us a little bit about that um, and how CRCL is going to bring the oyster shell recycling program to St. Bernard.
1: Well, they were looking for a, um, a closer site to the city to kind of cut some of their costs. And we, you know, one of our strategies as a foundation is to use the land we have for good things for the parish. So this was kind of a no brainer to bring them in. And we had them get together with our master tenant on Violet Canal, um, two seeds, and they came up with a deal that worked for them both. And, um, we just were kind of there to cheer them on, but, uh, it took it took a couple of years to make it happen, but um, it happened, and, uh, and we're really proud to have that. And you know, literally right down the road
0: from us. That'll be such a, a great opportunity. You know, like you said, to engage people in New Orleans and Saint Bernard. You know, it's a close enough drive to where you know folks from Tulane, Loyola, wherever high schools can come down and and do uh, volunteering for the day. Um, I'm sure you all can have programming where you bring people down to the site from Dockville and hey, maybe they'll end the day with a great meal at Charlie's, right? So that's really cool to see uh, that that location uh, selected and, and moving forward as a spot where people can go and volunteer to help um, put oyster shells back on our coast to help restore areas and you know help with hydrology and erosion and all those things
1: yeah we're kind of the sweet spot for oysters in the state we have you know the largest grounds and it just makes a whole lot of sense to have that in our community and and not have the the shelves you know going into people's driveways or going into a a landfill so we we think it's great
0: it's so impressive when you go, you know, I've gone to a prior site where they had the shells and they were doing the, the uh, volunteer recycling program. And you just see this mound of oyster shells, you know, and it's, that's just a fraction of, of what's consumed. And, and so to see that kind of, it's a lot of hard work, but it's fun to get those in the sacks and kind of um, get them in a place where they can move forward to create a reef. But, um, you know, we put a dent in that huge pile of shells. And I think more and more, you know, having people aware of, of the value that can be driven by recycling oyster shells, by putting them back in, in our coastal areas, um, will just be a hum- tremendous, um, uh, you know, positive overall. And, and certainly engaging the restaurants to do that um, has been a big win. So kudos to our friends at Coalition North Shore Coast Louisiana and Merrill Foundation for having a hand in that. And so hopefully we'll be able to highlight an upcoming volunteer event um, soon down in the parish. So, yeah. So, Blaze, um, I I do want to talk to you a little bit about some uh, new program that's been getting a good amount of attention. I saw a great piece by Hallie Parker and the Times Picayune, as well as there was a piece in 64 Parishes um, highlighting the work that you all are doing on citrus and, and citrus. Re- you have this new citrus research facility in partnership with the LSU Ag Center. So tell us a little bit about that. What inspired it? What is the research facility seeking to do? And why are you excited about this program?
1: Well, you know, we talked about Ag Magic earlier. Um, our partners for that are um, LSU Ag. And they've been great. And we set them up with, um, uh, I can't remember the word for it, a whole lot of money to um, an endowment. We set them up with an endowment. Um, to kind of focus on what they wanted to focus on rather than like, hey, do we need to cut the check for this year and that kind of stuff? Um and they said that they were interested in this uh well citrus greening is, is a huge problem for the citrus industry all across the southeast US. And um <clears throat> Florida has gone to this model of screening in their their uh citrus groves and doing them in pots on um Basically, a protective covering uh, over them, and so we we went out, we went and talked to Ag Magic or, or Ag Center, and they they were interested in building this, and we said sure, and started to get built. And so they're going to look at, um, at uh, how it's done. Does it need to be different done differently here in South Louisiana? And then we're also going to look at a, a number of other plants. Um, So raspberries we talked about cold tolerant avocados and then I I have a large collection of pulpit trees um, that we're also going to play around with in there and see what happens. But I I think it's a it's a good step to, you know, keep us grounded in our past, which is a citrus industry and kind of bring that industry into the future.
0: Yeah, I love that. And, um, you know, I I would highly recommend folks go and read Hallie Parker's uh, piece if they haven't about kind of the ongoing struggles that are facing citrus farmers and the citrus industry. I mean, we talk, you know, broadly about all the different ways that coastal land loss affects people's lives, affects their jobs, you know, kind of the culture of our communities. And, and I think, you know, citrus is one of those things that maybe doesn't jump top of my, to top of mind, but uh, it, it's, you know, just one industry of many that's being impacted. And having grown up on the East Bank of Plaquemines, there's I can say there are no better citrus than, uh, you know, Satsuma's. And uh, naval oranges from Plaquemines, and we can say Saint Bernard too. Um, so it's great to see you all doing some work to help the farmers and help you know protect that crop for the future. So so Blaze, what else is going on uh, for you? What are you looking forward to in 2021? I know we're gonna have Sarah Sneath on the show after you. She's gonna talk a little bit about a bike tour of Saint Bernard Parish that she recommends for folks. Merrill Foundation has had a big hand in helping. St. Bernard become more bike friendly. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, we, um, so we own a lot of properties inside the levees and we usually in negotiations with anybody kind of try to pull that into our, our conversation. And we've been very supportive of the plan that the parish put forward. Um, Even as far as they, they, you know, they have to elevate a certain portion that goes over Paris road on the, the bike trail that they're looking to do. On the 40 Arpent Levee. And so we donated land on both sides of Paris Road so that they can get a bridge to go up and over um, Paris Road. So, the, you know, we, we always kind of are trying to support things that make quality of life better in St. Bernard. And this is just a really easy one to get behind. Um, we also support the Chamber, and the Chamber puts on um, Tour de Parish, um, which is another kind of thing to bring in people for biking in the, in the parish. So we're, we're excited about where the parish is going as far as biking and, and uh, making it more livable for for younger folks.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I can say in the past several months, um, just in terms of uh, trying to get outside and, and kind of navigate everything that's been going on, one of my go-to activities has been you know going on runs, biking, and I've done a lot of it actually in St. Bernard, um, you know, I love the area near the 40 Arpent Wetland Observatory um, and kind of biking back there. So, um, really, no shortage of places to go. But you all, um, Merrow Foundation um, created and operates that 40 Arpent Wetlands Observatory. Highly recommend it for people that want to go, kind of experience nature not too far away. Tell us a little bit about that location and, and what people can see there.
1: Well, um, we had a charrette at one point before I was here. Where we discussed plans for that, and there was a plan to build islands behind it. Um, there's a plans and a pro, uh, there's things being worked on um, on the parish level to create a lagoon um, that goes from the 40 arpent observatory all the way up to Torres Park, um, and that's using CBDG funds. And, and instead of putting in giant culverts in um, Buccaneer Villa because it was flooding, they, we kind of pushed through this plan to put in a lagoon instead. And so most of that area is going to become a park um, and all you know, bike trail connected and stuff like that. But that NACA grant um, is set to build those I- islands that were in the Charette. Um, behind the 40 arbor, so it's fairly shortly. It's going to be a really good place to go kayaking, um, as well as biking.
0: That is awesome, and I think that would be such a huge asset to the community and to you know people who are visitors. Um, I can say, you know, I love going out there. You see so many different types of birds, and it's just incredibly peaceful and, and really not far at all. So, highly recommend folks if they're looking for a little escape. Check out the Forty Arpen Wetlands Observatory in Chalmette, and um, and yeah, and great to hear that there's more good things to come in that location. What's that? What's that, please?
1: They occasionally have yoga classes out there too, Jacques.
0: What? Okay, I'm gonna have to look into this. I I, I did not know that, and so uh, you're gonna have to send me the details on that because I, I definitely want to get on top of it. So, so Blaze, you know, from prior shows that, um, you know, we have to ask all of our guests a fun question just to kind of mix it up. Um, I don't want to get you in trouble by any means, but I will say in addition to biking and running in St. Bernard and walking my dog, um, I like to eat a lot in St. Bernard and, you know, those, uh, may have read folks may have read Ian McNulty's piece about, you know the. Uh, new and exciting restaurants that have come to St. Bernard Parish in the last 10 years. Um, certainly, we love our old standards, you know, as well that have been there forever. But I have to ask you, Blaze, um, if there's a top restaurant that, um, let's say, is new that, that kind of came to St. Bernard in the, the last 10 years or so, what's, what's a, one of your favorites that you'd recommend to folks? They want to go out, they want to go out to the Forty Wetland, Arpent Wetlands Observatory, maybe they want to go on a bike ride and they want to get something good to eat after, where would you send them?
1: Well, if they're looking, I mean, if they're looking for standards, it's Rockies, right? Yeah. Um, just to get that out the way. But <laughs> I, I like a lot, of, I, you know, I used to be a chef. So I'm kind of, I don't eat regular stuff all the time. And I, I'd rather go to kind of cultural places and eat or, or different cultures. So I I would say Secret Thai is, is um, my favorite one of the the newer restaurants. Um, but there's there's like Quito's is a Brazilian place. There's beignets and more. It doesn't sound very Vietnamese, but it's run by Vietnamese folks and the menu's fully Vietnamese. Um, I like I like those. But but by far it's it's gotta be the um, secret tie. But be prepared to wait. They're very slow.
0: <laughs> I, I love secret Thai. You can go there and you know get an or- an entree, right? Just pad Thai. You'll be eating it probably for two or three days just because the portions are so big. But it's absolutely delicious. Well worth the wait. And yeah, I love Catite is a Brazilian place, Kitchen Table Cafe in Arabi, We love uh, Donna and Kevin, and they do great stuff and and have live music outside. So. No shortage of places. And then, of course, the, the standards, right? Rocky and Carlos and Charlie's and so many others. So um, no shortage of things to do in St. Bernard Parish if you're looking to kind of get out um, and, and experience the coast, the environment, and the culture. Um, well, Blaze, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. And congrats on all the progress um, that y'all are making at the Merrill Foundation through the new Citrus re- Research Facility, through some of the Quipper projects and others. We'll have to have you back on soon. Um, Maybe we can do an in-person live uh, episode from the Wetlands Observatory since I know Simone's been wanting to check it out too. Oh, that
1: would be great.
0: Well, great. Well, I hope the rest of your 2021 um, goes smoothly or maybe, you know, is better than the prior year and we'll have to have you back on soon. So thanks again, Blaze. We have one more segment to go, but first it's time for the Coastal Stat of the Week. Um, This week's Coastal Stat is... The Lakebourne Marsh Creation um, Increment 1 project is a component of an overall large scale restoration strategy for the Pontchartrain Basin that will reestablish the Bay Rim and intertidal marsh habitat. The Lakebourne Marsh Creation Project is located near Shell Breach and St. Bernard Parish. The Louisiana TIG plan approved approximately $114 million in funding in the late 2020 for the project's engineering and design, constructions, operations and maintenance, and monitoring. Um, For the creation of an estimated 28,000, 2816 acres of restored marsh habitat. So great to see projects like that moving forward. Um, Thanks again to Blaze, and we'll be right back after the break on Delta Dispatches. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Bear with Environmental Defense Fund, and I am steering the ship solo today. My partner, Simone, is off doing important things on the coast, but I'm so excited to be joined by a guest who has been on the show um, before. It's been a while, but we wanted to catch up with her on a number of things, including a recent blog post. That she did highlighting a pretty unique way to access Louisiana's coast. So welcome back to Delta Dispatches, Sarah Sneath. Hi. <laughs> it's great to connect with you on the podcast again. Um, how are you hanging in there amidst just the state of things? I, I don't even I hate asking people how it's doing, <laughs> but just reasonably how are you hanging in?
2: Well, you know, I'm enjoying um I'm trying to enjoy what I can, you know, bike rides as much as possible. And, um, you know, I've gotten into new hobbies uh, with the pandemic. And so I'm trying to enjoy what I can when I can.
0: (laughs) I think that's a good way to put it and everyone kind of find needs to find their own kind of outlet. I, for me, it's, it's biking, not quite to the extent that you bike, but, um, you know, it's, it is nice to just get out and and experience Louisiana in that way. I see you've also been kind of crafting or creating bike accessories. Is that correct?
2: Yes, I am making, that's one of my hobbies that I got into. I, um, I did a little bit of sewing before and I've just gotten, I've dabbled in it. I've gotten in and out of it, um, you know, since high school, I guess, was when I first really got interested in sewing. And um, I had a sewing machine that was not working very, very well. So then I borrowed a friends. And then I decided to make bike bags, like bike bags for my friend. Well, I made one. My plan was first to just make one for my best friend for her birthday. I just wanted to make a little bag to go on the front of her bike. And then um, I kind of got crazy with it and just started making a bunch of them. And I've made a bunch of, or I bought a bunch of material. And so now I'm selling them these little bags that you can strap onto the front of your bike to carry your, you know, phone or whatever you need to carry while you're tootling around.
0: <laughs> I love that. I mean, who wants to bike around with a big thing of keys in their pocket or their phone or, you know, whatever. So I'm going to have to get one. Sarah, where can folks go? Is, should they contact you on Twitter or how do they, you know, if they want to purchase one of these? Like oh my bags.
2: gosh. Thanks for, yeah. um doing this. Yeah. I, I call it Pelican Pouches um, <laughs> because I love the coast you know, we love the ghost, we love the birds. So um, Pelican Pouches on Instagram and on Facebook. Facebook. And if you just uh, DM me, then I'll, um, then I'll make a bag for you for sure. Yeah.
0: I love that name and you should trademark it because it's, <laughs> Um, So That's so cool. Well, aside from the biking and the, you know, bags, you've also been really busy reporting on a huge number of different stories for national outlets, for local outlets. So tell us about some of the recent pieces that you've been covering.
2: Right. Probably the biggest one was a story I did for WWNO um, and Southerly And uh, the story is about, um, it's kind of like, you know, we had such a crazy hurricane season with so many storms coming ashore. And we saw with BioLab, this chlorine manufacturing facility um, in Westlake, right outside of St. Charles, had a chlorine release uh, in the wake of Hurricane Laura. And um, I kind of got to thinking, you know, what... what um, what could, what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, this was kind of scary, but, you know, what, how, you know what's the worst thing that could happen? Where is the worst thing likely to happen at? And so um, I got to looking and delved into the toxic release inventory on that database, the EPA's database. They have a, um, you know, they have data on how much toxic chemicals uh, different companies store on site. And so I kind of limited this um, toxic release. I filtered it, I guess is a better way to say it. I filtered it by coastal parishes, only the coastal parishes, because we're talking about, you know, those most susceptible to hurricanes. And then I filtered it again by the amount of um, toxic storage they had on site. And then after doing that, I had, you know, like 30 facilities. And then I um, went through this some crazy hoops (laughs) um, to get the public records on what their worst case scenario would be for a toxic release or an explosion. And so when I say that I went through some crazy hoops, that required going to a federal, booking an appointment with a federal reading room. And then, um, you know, driving that reading room was in Baton Rouge. I drove up to Baton Rouge and then I had to take handwritten notes on the public records um, because you can't take photos and you're not your phone's not allowed inside. Um, and so I could only take handwritten notes in the company of a US Marshal. And so I did this and you can only do 10 you can only do 10 facilities uh, per month. And so uh, we enlisted some other folks to help us out and got two more reporters to do the same thing so that we could look at all 30 facilities. And I made some graphics out of it and just explored you know, what are the worst case scenarios from these facilities? And um, what we found was that the most susceptible areas or the most vulnerable areas were predominantly black communities. And um, so we put this information out there and it's been really exciting to see how people are responding to this. And one big thing to come out of it is the senior advisor, the new senior advisor of the U.S. Chemical um, Safety Board, Said that he read the, you know, he messaged me and he told me that he read the story and um, that they're gonna take this this um, into consideration in policy recommendations moving forward. So it's wow. pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, you know, kudos on such a great job in terms of the reporting, the bootstrap reporting, and kind of doing, like you said, jumping through so many hoops to kind of get to that data and to, to find that story. Um, And then also to see in such a short amount of time that direct impact on policy must be, you know, just really rewarding. So congratulations to you. Where can folks go? They can go to WWNO or Southerly if they want to read the piece.
2: Right. That's right. So uh, both um, outlets have the piece published. There's also the follow up um, with the the Chemical Safety Board Senior Advisor. We did a follow up and you can hear the interview um, on an audio format at WWNO.
0: Well, congratulations again on that. Um, you know, really great to see, you know, such a well-reported piece, but then one also that has a direct policy impact. So um, so kudos, your, your end of 2020, 2021 is off to a good start on that front, at least. So um, <laughs> let's shift gears a little bit. So you worked on a piece for us, a blog post that, you know, we we're just trying to think through all the ways that people can learn about and experience the coast and A lot of people, um, you know, maybe they have access to a boat, they go fishing or hunting, and so that's how they experience the coast. But not everyone has that, right? And um, so many people find different ways to to think about Louisiana's coast. You kind of highlighted how people can access the coast, in particular St. Bernard Parish, by biking. So tell us about your piece, Pedal Through to Parish and Learn About Louisiana's Coast.
2: Yeah, so um, I when I moved to, I, I've always enjoyed biking. I think, you know, they, what do they say? You never forget how to ride a bike. <laughs> I, um, I've always enjoyed biking. Um, and then when I moved to New Orleans, I, um, met this wonderful group of women here that just got me, very into biking. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Um, and we just started doing longer and longer rides together. And they showed me this ride, which, um, the story is about, it's about riding to, uh, Marina, um, and Delacroix called, uh, well, it's, I guess it's kind of, um, a euphemism, whatever, but it's called the end of the world. And there used to be a big sign up there that said end of the world. And, um, and so it was just a really fun bike ride. It's 60, you know, I think maybe over 60 miles um, there and back from New Orleans. But it does feel like fun to say that you went to the end of the world and back.
0: <laughs> That's so cool. And so what are some of the places that folks will see along the way as they're biking through St. Bernard?
2: So one of the first things they'll see is the Tunnel of Trees, which is something that has been discussed in you know other stories and um, and it's just this unique little section of road that has um, oak trees uh, that just kind of encapsulate the road, and so you feel like you're going through, yeah, a tunnel of of just these big oak arms, and it's beautiful. And there's of course Spanish moss, you know, hanging from some of them, and you have Dockville Farms right there. Um, I think shortly after the Tunnel of Trees is the Losis Lonus. Uh, Museum—that's kind of a museum to a lot of the people who first inhabited Saint Bernard Parish. So, um, some Filipino refugees, uh, Native Americans, and um, the Los Islanos. Islanos Islanos—that's how you say it, right?
0: Islanos. Uh Islanos.
2: Sorry, I'm mispronouncing that word.
0: It's all right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And um, I mispronounce a lot of things in New Orleans and Louisiana. So.
0: it, it takes a while right and <laughs> it it, so it, hey even if you grew up here you still I still mispronounce things so do not feel bad at all oh
2: my gosh I used to have in my old office I used to have a little sheet hanging from the wall that had um Lafouche and achafalai all these things like pronounced in a way that are like spelled out in a way that I knew how to remembered how to pronounce them because it is so hard <laughs> Uh, Anyways, so you get to, you know, learn a little bit about the history of the area, or you can stop and learn about the history of the area. I actually did this um, ride again recently, and I noticed there's also a little um, cemetery right there, too, by the museum. That's, you know, really pretty to kind of ride around in. Um, So there's lots of fun little stops along the way.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and I I think the Islaños Museum there on St. Bernard Highway, and then you have the old... St. Bernard Church and Cemetery, which are just you know very historic and and, and beautiful, um, and then eventually you make it to Delacro, right? And so you can see, uh, what do you see at the end of at the end of the world, I guess.
2: Oh, it. There used to be, like I said, there used to be a sign there. I'm sure that they're going to bring it back, um, you know, soon, but. It's just this sign and then the road just stops and then that's it. And then there's water. (laughs) but There's like people going out, you know, a lot of people, usually I'm riding early in the morning. So I usually see a lot of people boating out. And right now I've been noticing a lot of people going out. I guess they're hunting ducks. They have a lot of um, stuff hanging from their debris, (laughs) hanging from their boats, (laughs) leaves and stuff. (laughs) Camouflage, I guess is what it is. But it's just such a neat scene to, to see.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I have not biked all the way out there yet, but just kind of driving out there to go kayaking or whatever. You you do see, you know, people on the side of the road fishing. You know, you see people who are going out on boats fishing, and just a lot of that activity. Um, really cool to see, and then the landscape is beautiful as well. Um, one of the things you highlight in the post is uh, some of the coastal restoration work that's underway in and around Saint Bernard Parish. Blaze recently highlighted some of those projects, but um, what, um, you know, any takeaways for you from you about some of the progress that's underway in that area?
2: Yeah, I mean, I used to do this thing. um, I'm sure you remember that at the end of every year, I used to do this kind of wrap up of the coastal projects that happened every, you know, at the end of the year, how much land was built and how much, um, I guess that was the big one, how much land was built over the year and i think that that's just so cool to see you know what's in the works and that this plan is you know it's being it's being implemented right now our, our uh state's coastal plan is being implemented and there are being you know we're, we're getting our land back you know we are getting land back right now it's not just um we're not just losing it
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and it's, and i think some big projects underway as well and and i think you appointed to um, a project in, in St. Bernard Parish that's going to be one of the states, if not these states, largest uh, marsh creation projects um, ever to be put out. So that's exciting to see as well. That's coming. So, well, cool. I highly recommend folks can go to MississippiRiverDelta.org um, and check out our blog to read Sarah's post, Pedal Through to Parish and Learn About Louisiana's Coast. has some cool pictures, of course, and then a map where you can go and see a route, and and maybe take one or any parts of it um, to see the cool, uh, you know, parts of, of the parish that you can bike through. So, I know, you know, we t- touched on this with Blaze earlier, but it it seems like our region, I mean, Greater New Orleans region, certainly St. Bernard Parish is part of that too, is um, ha- moving towards a more bike friendly, bike accessible um, kind of culture. Would you say that? And and how have some of these places become more bike friendly in your minds?
2: Absolutely. I just think New Orleans, when you think about it, this really should be a bike mecca. And I say that because it's flat. (laughs) You don't have to, you know, as far as um, having to go up crazy hills or something, there's really nothing, you know, you you get a smooth ride because it's mostly flat. And um, you also have very nice weather most of the year so whereas some of my friends who live in colder climates they really can't go outside right now too much they can't really get a lot of biking in right now there's really not a time when that happens in new orleans so i think it's always i mean this city just should really be the place where this is happening and it is happening i mean you see it in in every aspect of the city you know we haven't had we're not having carnival rest uh, you know this year i guess it's kind of like Carnival's canceled or whatever, or changed at home. I don't know what you want to say to it, but, um, but like last year, I remember Carnival, the blue bikes had just, um, become electric and those were so fun to ride around during the Mardi Gras season. And I saw a lot more people using those. Um, the blue bikes did go away during the pandemic, but that they just now started, um, to, I think today was the day that they announced that they're doing a, um, a new bike program it's going to be a local owner of the bike program so we are going to see those bikes come back they're continuously expanding uh, expanding bike lanes in new orleans and the greater new orleans area Um, i think elysian field bike lane was the one just that most recently came up and you know you just go to these second lines well you i not right now but when i was going to second lines i was seeing a lot of um bikes at you know, bikes at these second lines, especially really neat bikes, like stretch bikes. And they're just really becoming part of the parade culture here. So I think once that happens and it already has happened, it's not gonna go away. So we should really be building um, out for these for these cyclists. And I, and I think that that is, that is happening.
0: So cool. And I couldn't agree with you more on, on all of that progress and just, you know, you get to see so much of the city and so much of our region. Um, in a different way, right? By being on your bike. I mean, when I was growing up, I loved one of my favorite activities uh, growing up as little Jacques, as Simone likes to call me uh, in Flagman's <laughs> Parish, was biking on the levees, right? Behind oh, Braithwaite God. and on the Mississippi River. And that was before they were paved or anything. I, I didn't have a four-wheeler. I didn't have a boat. So that was kind of my way to get out and experience the environment. And now I still love doing that, but it's great to see. I recently did the bike ride from Algiers Point down past the Chalmette Ferry, and that's completely paved and smooth and a pleasant ride. And you get to kind of see the ships going by and stuff. Um, But there's so many places like that too. So really cool to see all of that.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And if, and if you're not comfortable riding with traffic, the levees is a great, you know, are a great place. They're a great place to ride. And um, yeah, I actually, have a gravel bike. So I I do some of those rides as well uh, um, in sections that are not paved and those are really fun.
0: Very cool. Well, thank you for highlighting how people can um, access the coast and uh, experience St. Bernard Parish in a slightly different way, but a fun way. So highly recommend folks go and check out that blog. So Sarah, what else is going on? I mean, as we look ahead to 2021, um, are there big stories you're following or things you're kind of looking forward to in the months ahead? I
2: think You know, there's a lot that I'm going to be watching um, during the administration transition. I'm going to be seeing, you know, what role um, the Gulf Coast is going to be playing in any sort of um, Green New Deal. I definitely want to make sure that we're paying close attention that any kind of transition that happens, that the workers are not being left out, right? Because we have a lot of workers in Louisiana who have lost their jobs because of the oil crash and... um, so I'm definitely going to be paying attention to that. And, uh, you know, something will always pique my interest. I'm always curious about things. So I'm going to find other stuff too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly no shortage of stories. And if anything, the way the news cycle has been uh, recently, it's it'll probably be less about like finding the stories and more about like, okay, how do you balance everything that's going on oh, at once? God.
2: Yes. How do you drink from the fire hose?
0: Yeah maybe hopefully maybe we can get it down to a little bit less of a fire hose though. I mean, I don't know if from your perspective, I think from a communications perspective, I'm like, okay, give a little bit of just a little bit of calm would be good for a while. <laughs> I'm sure everyone could agree to that, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to see.
2: Yes, let's all agree to be boring. I would like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool. Well, um, well Sarah, what reminder, where can folks go to follow you on Twitter to stay on top of your reporting and, and what comes out in the months and years ahead?
2: I'm at Sarah Sneath on Twitter. That's S-A-R-A-S-N-E-A-T-H. And you can see all my hot takes there.
0: <laughs> cool. Well, highly recommend, you know, the high, hot takes and the really um, incredible bike routes that you take. I mean, I'm proud when I go like 20, 30 miles, you're like, I just biked, I don't even know, like 100 and something miles today. Like, you, like it was no big deal, but still impressive for all of us, So. Highly recommend Sarah's Twitter for, for that, um, as well as her reporting.
2: Yeah, sometimes I draw coastal critters on my bike, too. That's really fun.
0: <laughs> I saw that. Was it an alligator <laughs> that you drew on oh, the I drew, uh, bike?
2: Yeah, I drew. So basically, like I have this fancy um, navigation computer that I can create a route in a mapping system, and then it'll just tell me like when to turn, so that way I can stick to that route. And so I've done, I've drawn, uh, drawn, uh, shrimp, alligator, pelican, um, a nutria. (laughs) I've been drawn all sorts of things on the streets of New Orleans and no one even knows.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. The nutria, like you have to draw, I guess, a really big tail and and all that stuff. And then do you get the teeth in there? It's it's I got some
2: teeth in there. I got a cute little nose.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, um so yeah even more reason than before to follow sarah on twitter um and then before we let you go sarah we do have to ask i have to ask a fun question and you kind of alluded to the fact that um this year carnival is is different right you know we've had folks that are um putting up awesome displays on their homes there's like you know probably virtual stuff that's happening of course we're probably all going to eat more than our share of king cake so um uh, in that vein, what king cake are you most looking forward to eating next? I won't say all season, but just like what's next on the list?
2: Well, I have my order placed in with Dong I think February 28th is when we're picking it up. So yes, that's going to be, well, three cakes because I'm getting almond, coconut, and... Um... Can't remember what the third one is that we're getting but we're gonna split those into three you know like three sections and then um give two to friends and then we're keeping one for our house but that's probably the most exciting I always love their king cakes but I've already eaten I think three king cakes I realized that now that I'm eating them at home I get the baby and then I'm just trying yeah. to follow you know the procedure and buying another one and so yeah.
0: it just it
2: never ends
0: Exactly. I mean, well, you have to, you know, follow the king cake rules, right? Um, And I think we're all kind of get our like, um, you know, pent up uh, energy out probably on eating king cakes. So we're we're just going to be in a perpetual sugar high until the end of carnival season. But that's okay. We let's support our local bakeries and uh, you know local places where you can get king cakes and, and show the love that way. And like you said, share king cakes with loved ones and friends as you can.
2: Absolutely. What's your, what king cake are you looking forward to next?
0: Well, you know, I, well, I'm a traditionalist in that sense. Cause I grew up eating Randazzo's king cake. So I love Randazzo's, but um, Alma's is a new kind of uh, Honduran bakery slash oh, restaurant wow. in the Bywater. And they have a mango king cake that <gasps> I saw on Facebook. So I want to place an order and get uh, try out Alma's mango king cake. Um, oh next.
2: my gosh! So, yeah. I'm gonna have to try that out too. Wow, that sounds good.
0: Yeah, it sounds delicious. So yeah, I mean, there's no shortage. You could also say, I think uh, someone alluded to what's your favorite king cake? Whatever one's in front of me right now is is true too. So <laughs> that is
2: absolutely true. That is <laughs> yep. well said. Yes. <laughs>
0: Well, thanks so much, Sarah. And uh, we'll have to keep you um on uh, have you back on soon. I uh, would love to hear more about what other reporting you have coming out, and we'll be sure to follow what else is going on on your front. so so you're always welcome back on Delta dispatches.
2: yay not <laughs> <to stop yet.
0: laughs> no. We don't we, hey, we don't have that list yet, so <laughs> don't worry we have, we have the list of people we have been meaning to get to but haven't quite gotten to yet, so yeah, we we like, we're pretty open door policy here on, on the show. So um, <laughs> with that, it is time for the Coastal Voice of the Week. And this week's Coastal Voice comes from Renee and Destrahan, And she says, I support the coast because this is my home. Where I grew up is literally washing away. It makes me sad to know my kids won't be able to have the same experiences as I did as a child. So you know, couldn't have said it better, Renee. And and there's just so many reasons why people support our coast. Um, please go on Mississippi slash restore dash the dash coast and share your own. And just like that, I'd like to say, I think I didn't break anything while I was uh, manning or you know navigating the show solo. So huge thanks to Blaze and Sarah for keeping me uh, going and, and making sure I didn't break anything on this episode. And hopefully next week I will be back with my partner in crime, Simone. So thank y'all for listening so much and we'll see y'all later, alligators.